Support for Waveform comes from Anthropic. So looking for an AI solution for a business, it might be time to check out the Claude 3 family from Anthropic, your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. So whether you're powering a customer chat experience or doing complex R&D or need advanced analysis, Anthropic can help provide you with frontier intelligence. So if you're looking for speed, power, or anything in between, the Claude 3 family offers AI models for a variety of tasks and budgets. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back to another episode of the Waveform Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Marquez. And I'm Andrew? I'm just kidding. I'm Andrew, oh, but okay. I started it. Yeah. I'm Marquez. Yeah, okay. there we go. In today's episode, we have Tesla hitting a new milestone while simultaneously taking a step backwards. We're going to bring David on later, uh, kind of have our final thoughts on Pixel 6. But first, you had a really busy weekend. Uh, yeah, I was so every my entire timeline right now is yes. where are the videos? Where is the mm-hmm. MacBook Pro review? Where is the Pixel 6 review? Where is the AirPod, AirPods video? Um, I've been actually with the last video, I published that from the hotel yeah, yeah. at uh, Nationals. We are, uh, we are representing New York for Club Ultimate Frisbee's National Championships in San Diego for the past four days. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a good time. We, it was, it's been a crazy year and yeah. not a lot of normal things about this season, but it was, uh, it ended with us losing by one point in the finals to Raleigh. So we came in second place. Mm-hmm. Um, in- extremely impressive. Like, uh, yes, lost in finals, but I don't think people understand how many, like, this Nationals is the top 16 teams in the country. 16 or 20 these 16. days? 16. I mean, there are hundreds and hundreds of teams out there every year. You have to go through sectionals and you have to go through regionals and you get to nationals. Mm-hmm. Something I never did in my ultimate career and now you have been to finals twice. It's wildly impressive. Yeah, um, we, we lost in semifinals in 2019. And then we lost uh, in finals on Universe Point, so by one point mm-hmm. to Raleigh. So congrats to Raleigh. Some of you who might have followed the AUDL Pro season might know we also lost to Raleigh in the mm-hmm. finals in the Pro League as well, which is incredible for Raleigh, but yeah. rough for New York. Great for great for Raleigh, bad yeah. for New York. Good for Noah Saul, bad for Isaac Saul. Yeah, exactly. If uh, there's any ultimate listeners out here, they're <laughs> brothers that are good friends of ours. Um, but we play, we played a good a good tournament. You, we were technically the nine seed. That is really impressive. But nine seeds, seed. seeds were funny because seeds almost meant nothing. The four seed ended up coming in last place. So it was uh, it was all all over the map this ultimate year. Ultimate seedings <laughs> never been great. It was a crazy year. Like but I I'm sure. I mean, it kind of sucks that it's in the middle of the busiest segment but it also is probably nice to just have four days to focus on that and kind of yes uh, take a break so that's where the video that's why the videos weren't right on time because i was out in a field all right so we want to do a few tech headlines first Mm -hmm. right uh we can start off with macbook pro i'm actually if you're watching the video version i am now sitting with the new macbook pro in front of me i am testing both the 14 inch m1 
Pro and a 16-inch M1 Max okay. MacBook Pro. So you're you're testing the 14 and the 16. Which one? I'm assuming you brought the 14 with you to travel. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I actually started testing the 14 when I was out there, mm -hmm. but that was just like for regular everyday stuff, which this is massively overkill for. Yes. I'm back in the studio now. I can't wait to start. I'm, I'm going to be trying to edit a video on this for the first time in a while. I haven't edited a video on a laptop the 14, in years the on the 16. Okay. Okay. So the 16 inch that we're testing is fully maxed out. It's got the, the highest end chip mm -hmm. with the, the most GPU cores with all of the RAM and everything. And, um, that's the one I'm going to give a shot. But I, I took the 14 with me. It's been great. I think it I, it did everything just as well as the M1 13-inch MacBook Pro did, which is to say web browsing, answering emails, the couple of things I got the chance to do out there. But I'm going to really put it through its paces. But my initial impressions, this thing is nice. I mean, just looking at it, I love the black keyboard rather than this that thing, old yeah, garbage. Yeah. It is nice. Love the keyboard. Love the Touch ID. The real buttons are back. No touch bar anymore. Out of here. Uh, the screen is much nicer and very bright. Battery life, about the same. MagSafe can confirm pretty fast charging. Okay. Love that. Haven't had to use the ports yet, but I love that there's an SD card slot. So if I were to just like take some photos and, you know, toss them in Pixelmator in here, I'd have that with me. How uh, nice is it to not have to dig for your SD card reader like that inevitably gets lost at the bottom of your bag whenever you travel. It's and, so nice. Yeah. It is really nice. Um, the notch is just kind of sitting there. I feel like I'm over it at this point. It just, well, it's just in the screen. Speaking of notch, Quinn from Snazzy Labs had a pretty fantastic video uh, I yesterday, that. I think. Yeah, I think even just last podcast, I was saying, yeah. you are never going to fill the menu bar and notifications or whatever up on a laptop. Uh, we'll see. I've been proven wrong very quickly. Um, Quinn did have that happen. Oh, I can't even believe this is real. So, oh my gosh. A lot of people have been asking and wondering, with the notch in the way now, what happens if your app menus go too far to the right or your status menus go too far to the left? Do they like, you know, get smaller or do they jump to the other side or do, are they scrollable? The answer is freaking nothing. If I turn on iStat menus, look at that. There is stuff behind the menu bar that I can't see. <laughs> Yeah, so the top of the screen where the notch is, the notch cuts into the menu bar. Yeah. So that's where your like file edit view, mm -hmm. all of those menus are. And on the other side, that's where your time, notifications, Wi-Fi, all those things are. If you use a program with enough menu bar items, you can actually fill up the menu bar. And then the question would be, okay, what happens? Does it skip to the other side of the notch? Yes. And Quinn had a couple, I think he was using Resolve or something like that, and he had iStat menus. So iStat Resolve, menu, yeah. Resolve is a bunch of stuff on the left, iStat menus is a bunch of stuff on the right, and they collided in the middle, and there was just stuff hidden by the notch, yes. which is really strange, and uh, didn't realize that was going to be a problem. I, I don't have that many apps that have that many menu bar items, but if you do, that's something to consider. Resolve is a pro app. Yeah, and so. like what's funny is it works totally normal. It just pretends the notch isn't there, so the menu will pop down under it. So ultimately, it's not really restricting you unless you know you're new to that program. And some, I'm just waiting for someone to like look up a tutorial. You like go to this menu uh, category, and now yeah. oh, I don't have that. Yeah. Oh, it's behind the notch. It's hidden that's, behind the notch, but you can still click it. You just won't. Yeah, know it's still there. Exactly. I'm sure people will find out, but that's super weird. Pretty funny. Feels like an oversight, but I guess. Ultimately, what else would they do? My only like resolve to it would maybe be um, if there are too many, you add like a drop down arrow and then, you know, you drop a menu down to now get into the extra yeah. menu selections that would be there. I think it was between that and making it 
scrollable horizontally, which would be kind of maybe less intuitive than we think. I think we'd know to scroll, but I think a dropdown is easier to see drop for down people. would be easier, yeah. I mean, on a, I guess you have the side scroll on a trackpad yeah. or more reason to buy a um, Magic Mouse, which oh, is God. terrible. Can't so. buy a Magic Mouse. Uh, but yeah, that I did see Quinn's video. That, you know, other than that, I think this laptop's been pretty great, but again, my conclusion on it hasn't been determined yet. It will come down to how well the pro workflow works. Mm -hmm. M1 cruised through all of my casual stuff, like Pixelmator, like, of course, web browsing, Slack, my to-do list, all that like basic stuff any laptop can do. So I'm looking forward to, to notching it up, <laughs> pun intended, and uh, getting into the maxed out 16-inch and throwing 8K red raw and transcoding at it and seeing, seeing what it can handle. So It'll be interesting too because... Like Renee's put some videos, a lot of people have put videos out on this already. Yeah. Um, and some of the times they're getting, while you know they're in ProRes, a lot of the the stuff they're editing and doing time like export yeah. examples of, and they're destroying the times. So ProRes, is, I would expect to yes, do exactly. an order of magnitude better because there is a specific section of the M1 Max and M1 Pro chip dedicated to ProRes, processing, yeah. transcoding, and all that. So if you have a ProRes workflow, I don't even have to test it. You should get these laptops. This laptop will do incredible work mm -hmm. with ProRes. But that's the thing. Like, okay, it's it's built for that and it has a section for that. But what about other things? Like, of course, shared memory and faster bandwidth and all that stuff is going to have a major performance increase. But it won't be the same as dedicating a piece of it. Like, if I had a an Afterburner card that would be dedicated to transcoding uh, Red Code Raw, that would be a totally different story. Mm -hmm. So we'll see what the new performance stuff does. But yeah, of course, it'll crush with ProRes. Happy about that. Um, all right, next up we have, uh, I feel like I have to talk about Facebook a little bit here. They've literally been in the news every day for the last like two weeks, it seems like. Weren't they going to change their name? Yeah, something? that's kind of what I want to get to. Um, yeah. uh, before that, the the main thing we're seeing is these whistleblower papers. Um, I don't really want to get much into it because I don't feel like um, uh, well enough versed in what's going on, but there are a million resources out there. I highly suggest reading some of them. Um, what I did read was super interesting, but yeah, we, and what feels like kind of a coincidence because of all the stuff coming out, I'm sure for other reasons as well, Facebook wants to change their name, but less of, you know, changing facebook.com, more of changing the full-blown company name, kind of similar to what uh Google, Google like went under Alphabet when they started uh, doing more ventures than just being a search engine. I see. Something like that. So Facebook would be one of the companies under a parent company, and that parent company would also have Instagram and Oculus and stuff like uh, that. Yeah, WhatsApp and WhatsApp. Stuff like that. I mm -hmm. see. Okay. Um, it, like I said, it, it, it makes sense. Um, first of all, because it's when you think of Facebook, you think of the social media, the terrible social media. Facebook. Site, I think most of us yep. come come. And if you are, you know, Oculus is fantastic. WhatsApp is great. Instagram's pretty great too. They've had a lot of stuff in the news lately as well. But um, if I were any of those, I would never want to be associated with Facebook and try and break off of that as much as possible. Yeah, I, I think I was thinking of like the car analogy where mm -hmm. when you buy like a Genesis, for example, in the US, those are like somewhat popular luxury cars, mm -hmm. but they're made by Hyundai and you would never spend that much money on a Hyundai. Yeah. But Hyundai has a sub-brand called Genesis that is completely separate from it. You never see the word Hyundai in any of their cars, but that allows them to have a different reputation. Uh, kind of the same thing with Alphabet. Like it's a parent company that holds Google and they run Google and I'm sure they do a bunch of other stuff, but that makes sense. Like Instagram 
doesn't it say a Facebook app when you yeah, log in? Yeah, it does. I yeah, that's a good point. Will that change to what they don't I have the new wanna... name yet? By the time this episode comes out, it might be out. I think they have an event tomorrow where Ooh. they might announce it. Okay. Um, some people are speculating Horizon because they have this new. I don't want to call it a game, but like new VR metaverse experience called Horizon Worlds. So people are thinking like that's Horizon is going to they Zuckerberg has mentioned it really wants to focus on the metaverse and they're obviously doing a lot of AR VR stuff. Um, and so Horizon seems to be the front running rumor, but there's not much okay. about it quite yet. It would be Instagram a Horizon app. Interesting. Insta Instagram a Horizon app. I mean. Fair. I would much prefer that over, I'm sure a lot of like younger people who really enjoy Instagram would love to not have it say Facebook and have yeah. it correlate with Facebook anymore. For um, however much that's worth. You still know it's a Facebook company though. Yeah, ultimately I guess. But So yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, I think it's the right move and in the future people will forget, but I don't think anyone will ever really forget until like Zucker, no one will ever forget. It's just always going to be correlated with what I consider just like the swamp of the internet. I yeah, despise crazy Facebook. How much Facebook's reputation has sort of tanked over the years, it's, especially in the last probably five to seven years. Like it had its, it was already the, the sort of older social network. Yeah, the, and that's why Facebook ended up like literally buying Instagram. People exactly. just went to Instagram and never even made a Facebook account after a certain age. So you're like, all right, how are we going to get these new people and all of their data? We'll buy Instagram and that'll keep us on the forefront. But like Facebook hasn't really done anything to shift itself back into like, do you think 10 year olds are like itching to make a Facebook account? No. No, they're on TikTok, if anything, and then Instagram and then Facebook maybe someday. So that's the reputation now and that's we'll the, see if it changes. But it's the thing is like they've gone further than just being the old person app, like kind of how we see Yahoo or Hotmail email addresses. Mm. Like it just seems, but uh, but you know, those Yahoo email address didn't do anything wrong. It just became synonymous with like the kind of boomer mentality. Uh, whereas Facebook is now not just for old people, but essentially destroying democracy. So uh, yeah. get get rid of that. AOL.com. Yes. You, you cringe sometimes when you see an AOL.com email address. Yeah. There's still some out there though. I do. Do you like remember those days of how long it took you to get onto the internet? It's just just barely before my time, but uh, I've really? heard I've heard the sound. It was brutal. I like I, imagine trying to like load David into this podcast. How long do you think that would take? That would take a while. Probably about like as long as an ad break. Yeah, probably. All right, let's let's do it. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Support for the show comes from Anthropic. Companies of all sizes are exploring use cases for AI and finding that it's not a one-size-fits-all game. It's all about finding the right balance between speed and intelligence. Like if you're powering a customer chat experience, you need instant speed at low cost. If you're doing complex R&D or advanced analysis, you need frontier intelligence. 
Claude 3 from Anthropic offers AI models for a variety of tasks and budgets. Claude 3 Opus is their largest and most powerful model that can handle complex tasks and analysis. Sonnet strikes the balance between information and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and most cost-effective model that can execute lightweight actions fast. Anthropic is dedicated to building AI systems that are reliable, interpretable, and steerable. Their multidisciplinary team of researchers, engineers, policy experts, and business leaders designed Claude to elevate the field of generative AI. See for yourself. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. All right, welcome back. We've brought uh, David onto the podcast, and we're going to talk Pixel 6. Slowly loaded him in. Slowly loaded him in with our good old-fashioned internet here. Actually, my legs are still loading, but... (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so we've used these phones. So I've mostly been testing the Pixel 6 Pro. David's been uh, rocking the... What's the color of that? This is kind of coral. The kind of coral, kind of orangey Pixel 6. Every time I look at it, it looks like a different color. Right now, <laughs> yeah. you've got the laptop, the yeah. rose gold laptop. Yeah, yeah, It yeah. kind of looks like it's the rose gold. It does look the same when I look at the camera monitor. But when yeah. you look at it next to an orange thing, suddenly it looks orange. Yeah. And you wouldn't believe me until you saw it in the video. Even the renders online look different than it looks in real life. Like, yeah. th- this color is an enigma. It's like the dress. The yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Blue or gold. Blue or gold. We try our best in the video, but the review is up now. It's a review of both phones in one, so there's that. Um, but we wanted to talk a little more about some of the more nuanced stuff. I've always gotten like the comment that I spend I spend too much time on the camera in these phone videos. <laughs> it's just a phone. Why are you talking about the camera so much? But this is the Pixel. Yeah. yeah so I, we have a lot to say about the cameras because they're sort of known for the cameras. But big old deal. Let's uh, let's talk Pixel for a bit. So, do you have any other like burning thoughts that didn't get into the review? I mean, you've you used this 90 hertz flat mm-hmm. 1080p screen for a bit. Mm-hmm. How are you feeling about that 599? Yeah, I mean, I think the 599 is makes this phone one of the best deals as an overall package on Android right now. Yeah, um, agreed. A lot of people would probably say like, oh, there's, you know, cheaper phones that are have a faster Geekbench score <laughs> or something mm-hmm. or have like a 120 hertz display. But like considering all of the smarts that you only get on Pixel as an overall package, 599 is at a price that I don't think any of us were expecting we guessed in Slack, and I guessed six ninety nine, eight ninety nine, but right. five ninety nine is just like the cherry on top. Yeah, I remember before we got briefed on the prices, we were told all about these phones and Tensor and these new cameras, yeah. and the phones share a lot of parts. Yeah, and then we were told one of them will be mid range and one of them will be flagship. Mm-hmm. And with just that information, I think I was guessing seven ninety nine, nine ninety nine, mm-hmm. just. Like that's what I think of when I think of mid range. Maybe I could be six ninety nine or seven fifty, like the baseline iPhone. But that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Um, so when we got to five ninety nine, eight ninety nine, I was like, okay, eight ninety nine is pretty premium. But five ninety nine for the Pixel with that same chip, it's the crazy. same primary camera, yeah, the same software. Like that's a really good deal of a phone. Same storage, one twenty eight, and even the design. I'll be honest, I. I would almost prefer yeah. the standard Pixel. So the they've curved the screen over the edges on the 6 Pro just a little bit, and it's all right. It shrinks the bezels a little bit, um, but it's got these glossy sides. They're both aluminum sides, yeah. but this is much more fingerprint-prone than the matte sides on the yeah. 6. So I actually I would rather have that build. 
This mat is not quite the mat that you got on the Pixel 4. If you have a Pixel 4 or Pixel 4 XL, that's a nicer mat in my opinion. Yeah. This one's definitely like aluminum with like a matte texture, but it's not the same thing. Yeah. Um, my theory on the pricing with Pixel 6 and Pixel 6 Pro, it's $599.99. Um, you obviously get the 120Hz display over 90. You get the telephoto, 4X telephoto camera over the no telephoto camera at all. You mm -hmm. get the wider angle front-facing camera That's a nice with touch. a higher resolution. It's 11 megapixels over 8. Um, but I think a l everyone was kind of just like, the penultimate question for all of this has just been like, is that $300 worth of stuff? And I have this theory that actually that extra $100, right? Because maybe they could charge an extra $200 for the Pro. Mm -hmm. My theory is the millimeter wave. <laughs> because oh. I really, because Verizon and other telecom providers often charge a lot more. Like the OnePlus 8, I remember when that came out, the UW version on Verizon, which stands for ultra wide band, was $100 more than the regular one. Right. And I, I don't, you know, they're probably just trying to make up for the money that they put into the infrastructure, and that's this is how they're trying to make it up. But for people that don't know, the Pixel 6 has 5G low band and mid band, but it doesn't have millimeter wave. Right. Whereas the Pro, 6 Pro has millimeter has wave. millimeter wave by default. There are yeah. some carrier specs yeah. of the Pixel 6 with millimeter wave. We're still the, trying to figure it out. The you Verizon and the AT&T ones are. $100 and $140. $140 more for this. That's, that no, yeah. like almost no longer becomes a deal. But yeah. like this is, yeah, yeah, it's it's wild. It's so, a, well, that matches with your theory though perfectly. Yeah, $100. Right. Verizon is cost, or charging $100 more. Yeah. How AT&T is charging another 40 on top of that? But the funny thing no is Verizon is charging another $100 on top of the $100 that I think was already put into... You know, making. Oh wait, no, no, no. You're yeah, right. Yeah, I'm saying you're yeah, right because yeah, yeah. they yep. added if they added it to this. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, <laughs> it's. That's. I mean, yeah, that sounds. About but perfect. I would say that, like, for most people, like, the funny thing is, like, a lot of Android enthusiasts are going to want to get the Pro. That's why they made it. Yeah, that's why they made it. Yeah. Because I have this theory that they need to, pixels need to be Pro and not Pro at the same time. All of the Google Assistant features in every Pixel, and the reason that I love the 4A so much is that all the assistant features are helpful in a way that you don't need to interact with your phone physically as much. You've got now playing, you've got hold for me, like all these things that make it so like it just automatically does things. Google mm -hmm. Assistant, Google Voice. Um, well, not Google Voice, Google Assistant. But the, the Android enthusiast community are the people that buy Pixels in the first place. Yeah. So then Google has bounced back, back and forth over and over again on whether it wants the Pixel to be premium or affordable or premium or affordable. And it still hasn't gained market share on either of those. So now it's just like, let's do both. Sure. And I think that's a really good move. Yeah. So yeah. we've got, there's a couple really, there's some standout things about the phone that we can dive into a little more. Mm -hmm. Watch the video review if you haven't already. It's like 20 minutes long. But let's talk about a couple things. First yeah. of all, well, should we just do camera right just off the bat? Yeah, let's do camera. camera. <laughs> that's, that's, I know David has a lot of takes off the camera. Okay. My general overall take that we can pick apart is they are over-processing a bit. Mm -hmm. And my, you know, you look at a lot of the photos and it takes a 10 out of 10 photo sometimes. And it takes, weirdly, a below average like 7 out of 10 photo other times. And I feel like I can see... <laughs> I can see the camera, like, with its potential. It's a 50-megapixel huge sensor taking yeah. in way more light. I can see that potential in a lot of the shots. Yeah. But then the over-processing and over-HDR look yeah. that I get from it 
makes it look worse than it should. Mm-hmm. So in a lot of like totally normal average looking scenarios, it'll it'll start peeling in like highlights and shadows that don't need to be pulled in. Where in like the tough situation, like mm-hmm. out the windshield of my car at night with the ultra wide wall moving, it'll be an incredible shot. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow, this is this is an incredible camera. And that's the 10 out of 10. Yeah. But then the 7 out of 10 is like the normal shot where it over HDR stuff. Yeah. So I'm I'm thinking it can get better with software updates. Like I've seen really good shots in a lot of situations where a lot of phones can't compare. Mm-hmm. And so that makes me really like this camera, but it's going to it's going to need a little bit of tweaking, I think. Yeah. Okay. So, uh the point of computational photography is to get around physical boundaries, to right. cheat physics, to and in, in previous devices, smartphones have had the sm- some of the smallest sensors out of any camera, right? We kind of moved from these large format cameras down to this, and then we kept getting smaller and smaller and smaller, and smartphone cameras have traditionally been the smallest. Uh, one of the earliest examples of computational photography, portrait mode, right? It's, That's a great example. It's yeah. grabbing the edges of a thing and creating a foreground and a background, and over time, they tried to create more than just a foreground and a background. They tried to create more depth levels in yeah. order to try to emulate the way that lenses actually work. Um, that was all a stopgap until we got to bigger sensors in smartphones. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is like one of the first examples. The other examples are like HDR and that kind of stuff. And those are the things that I think are becoming a problem. Now that smartphone sensors are getting so big, capturing so much light and one of the things that a big sensor does is give you natural depth of field, and it also gives you more light capture. Yeah, sometimes so, too much depth of field. Right, right. It'll get yeah, like totally. fringy and like a little bit like too wide open. Right, we saw this on the S20 Ultra, mm-hmm. and I think this is having this, a similar first generation problem, but not bit. quite as bad. Yeah. Yeah. There's also two software features that they added in uh, the camera modes that are also both software tricks to simulate things you do with hardware. Mm-hmm. So you know that like uh, action pan shot that you'll get where if like a car is driving by and you get your shutter speed just right and you turn the camera fast enough, Same you speed. get the sharp subject and the blurred background. Yeah. You can, in the pixels action pan mode, hold still, yeah. let an object pass through the frame, take the shot and it'll blur the background in the direction that the object is moving mm-hmm. to create that effect. Mm-hmm. So it's again a software trick to do something you would have done with hardware. It's yeah. pretty smart and it's good. The other is long exposure mode. Same idea, you find like a waterfall or even like light streaks from car headlights at mm-hmm. night and you just hold still, take a quick exposure. You don't have to hold there for very long. It'll look at everything moving and go, okay, here's the direction they're moving, blur. Mm-hmm. And it just makes this cool long mm-hmm. exposure effect. So we're getting a lot of Google smarts in that direction, don't- which is like solving for not amazing hardware. Yeah, don't forget about the thing with the faces where the face is blurry. It will take a yes. photo with the wide-angle camera at a faster shutter speed Impressive. and superimpose it. Yeah, it's always running a higher, faster shutter speed with the ultra-wide, and if it notices yeah. blurry faces, it will stitch in yeah. the sharper face from the ultra-wide into the regular yeah. shot. It's good stuff. One of my favorite things about yearly pixel launches is that they almost always introduce some new crazy computational photography mode that you're just like, you weren't even thinking of. Like the astro mode in the Pixel 4 Mm -hmm. is literally just an extension of uh, HDR, the way that they originally created HDR with stacking and and that kind of stuff and like realigning that that stuff. This year was definitely very cool. Um, The funny thing is like, some of the earliest use cases for machine learning, especially in photography, has been like object identification and knowing what an object is 
because you're just oh, comparing yeah. hundreds of thousands of objects against each other and then coming up with a tighter and tighter confidence interval. And so the thing like the action pan is built on top of that, right? Because you're saying, this is the car. This is exactly where I'm going to sketch out the car to be. Everything yeah. else is going to have like a blur effect. Yeah. And we'll talk about Magic Eraser in a second. But yeah. I think that is one of the most interesting approaches to doing a camera. There's been a lot of Huawei phones I've noticed in the past that have like an AI camera mode. And mm -hmm. you turn on, I think it's on by default, actually. Yeah. And it will scene detection. It will, yeah, exactly scene yeah. detection, and it'll it'll notice like hundreds of different varieties of things and adjust the shot according to how it thinks you want it. Mm -hmm. And that's the common theme I've noticed with all of these is it's adjusting the shot based on how it thinks you want it. Mm -hmm. It sees grass on the ground. We'll bump that grass up to be more green. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're taking a landscape shot. We're gonna make the sky more blue here. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're taking a shot of your dog. We're gonna bump the contrast and the sharpness here. Versus maybe Apple's approach with uh, photographic styles, mm -hmm. which is like, here's a rich contrast one if you want that. Here's a vibrant one if you want that. Yeah. Here's a warm one. Here's a cool one. And I think the Pixel is just doing the good old-fashioned make everything bright and contrasty yeah. and hope you like that every time. Yeah. And I think it would win the blind smartphone test yeah. for the first <laughs> time. Because bright and contrasty it. is like what people generally like. Yeah, yeah, but I don't know that the enthusiast photographer in us actually likes that more. Yeah. Some, so that's interesting. Something that Mark Lavoy, um, who was the former head of computational photography for Pixel at Google, now is at Adobe, mm -hmm. told me when I interviewed him a few years ago was, we're not trying to make a camera in the Pixel, we're trying to make a magic imaging box. You press a button and everything just gets done for you. That's why traditionally the Pixel camera's UI has been really stripped of any additional settings. And actually, if you want to change settings for Pixel UI, I think they've rolled that back a little bit, but most of the photo camera settings have been in the settings menu, not in the camera app itself. Sounds kind of like a little closer to the Apple approach before we got the photographic styles. Before photographic styles, that's the thing, is like I feel like they want to minimize the interaction because they just want you to be able to like take out your phone, open the camera, double tap, or like tap on the yeah. a screen. Um, kind of going back to the the way that they're, you said that it's like a seven out of 10 a lot of the time, sometimes a 10 out of 10. Mm -hmm. um, our theory for this is that Google's used the same sensor in like almost all its pixels. Two through five, exact same sensor. Pixel one, almost exactly the same as two. Yep. Uh, actually slightly bigger photo sites, which was interesting. They like went backwards. <laughs> um, but they had, to, like we said before, the point of computational photography is to make up for the physical boundaries in a device. And so Google kind of figured out like, okay, well, HDR is something that you can't really get with a small sensor naturally because you're brightening things a lot, right? You're like bringing up the shadows and you're lowering the highlights and, you, and then also contrast and sharpening. And generally when you have a crappy sensor, contrast and sharpening kind of allow uh, an image to look a little bit better than it normally mm -hmm. would if it was like out of a blurry through megapixel like feature phone yeah but right? it'll start to look a little more processed exactly yeah. so so they did this for years and everyone like was like the pixel camera is amazing the pixel camera is amazing every single year they got more intense with the hdr mm -hmm. and i think that was the wrong move personally like yes you can see more detail in the shadows and yes you can retain more highlights but the point of like contour and contrast is what gives images depth and at some point People start to look like zombies because it lifts the shadows in their face. They look dead. Yeah. Uh, grass starts to look gray. Like everything sort of starts to look 
gray. Yeah. And now we have this new 50 megapixel sensor, which like you said earlier is a 12.5. I heard something about it's like, it's a physical bin instead of a software bin. And that's the reason that you can't like switch it to um, full 50 megapixels. I don't understand that. I don't understand that either. If it's a 50 megapixel, isn't it not a 50 megapixel sensor then? If you can never, ever, ever get a 50 megapixel image from it? (laughs) My guess is that Apple bought up all the good 12 megapixel large (laughs) sensors. Oh, wow. Yeah, and so then they had to go with whatever was available. And if it's a Sony or Samsung, Sony and Samsung like to just be like, look how high resolution our smartphone sensors are. Mm -hmm. Um, But now they've got this huge sensor and we did all this testing, right? I was like, okay, if you shoot raw photos out of the pixel, because you can. Right, this was good. Yeah. Yes. There's a raw plus JPEG mode. Mm-hmm. You can also use like the Lightroom camera app and shoot raw. If you Then you can compare what this sensor is actually capable of versus what Google is doing in, a pro- in the processing. Yeah. We shot raw. When you shoot raw, it's really flat. It's like log. Uh, you bump the vibrance to sort of bring color back to people's skin. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was going to go on a tangent between vibrance and saturation, oh. which is very confusing, but I won't do that. So uh, Contrast curves. Yeah, yeah. So if you bump the vibrance back up, you kind of see like, okay, overall quality of this image sensor, what is it? And the, you can see the amount of processing that Google is doing makes these images look like a Pixel 2, Pixel 3, Pixel 4, more more like a Pixel 5 photo because of how much processing they're doing to the HDR. But over-sharpened, over-contrasty, um, the way that it's processing into a JPEG makes the skin break down, makes the eyes break down, pulls all of the highlights out of any highlight, yeah. pulls all the shadows up. And it also does some like distortion correction. We took this photo of Adam's face where it, on the raw, it looks like his face. It looks good. Mm-hmm. But on the pixel photo, it's like almost, it doesn't look wrong, but he looks different. Like he looks like a different person. It's like reality went through a black box and out the other side, you got this really shiny, like impressive photo on a phone screen. Mm -hmm. But when you start to blow it up or start to want to edit it yourself, it's actually not as good as the original. Right. I think a sweet spot would have been right in the middle. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's the way they think about cameras where like, oh, we want to appease the enthusiasts and give them a little bit of a flatter image. No, they're trying to they're trying yeah, to win no, the blind smartphone yeah, test. They're right. trying to give enthusiasts totally. don't make money. Yeah. It I, get, matter. I get it. I hate I hate that I like care about this so much because it, I know that it's probably the opposite opinion. The than thing is the though, wider, if right. you really think about it, it they kind of nailed it because the enthusiast is gonna be able to take a raw photo and do what they want with yeah. it. And get what's needed out of it because mm-hmm. they all know how to do it, whereas the point and click Just, is going to be exactly for the the regular people. But like if you look what's capable out of the sensor, it looks so good. It looks like almost like a medium yeah, yeah. format camera image because of the like the proportions of the size of the sensor to the lens. Like it's crazy. The mm-hmm. problem just is is the people who are buying it arguably aren't going to notice that difference or they're going totally, to see yeah. like we've proved with the smartphone test and that I, like yeah sharper brighter is going to be perceived as better. I totally understand that their counter like their probably counterpoint is like 95% of people view all their photos on their phone. Yep. And that is true and I totally understand. I just yeah. see the capabilities out mm-hmm. of this phone because I blew them up on the Pro Display XDR and they look amazing. I could have taken that on the Hasselblad like camera and it's like it's crazy. Yeah, that's that I think is kind of tied into the whole idea of what Pixel is this year, which yeah. is 
they're trying to make a phone for everybody this year. Yeah. I mean, we've seen the enthusiast market and it's sort of like Pixel has always been the example of what an Android phone would be. Mm-hmm. Um, not, I mean, you can buy it if you want. Some people bought it, whoop-de-doo, Google Store, maybe a couple other places. But now it's just like, oh yeah, we're, we're going to run commercials for this for months. We're going to share this with as many people as possible. And this yeah. is our big shot at like giving people a third option after mm-hmm. iPhone and Samsung. Yeah, That's a very different approach from what Pixel has been in the past. And maybe the camera sort of tilted in that direction as a result. Yeah. I still think they can update it a little bit in software. I'm holding out hope. We'll see. I don't think they will, but I will also hold that. No, <laughs> we'll see. I'm optimistic. Um, Magic Eraser, though. This. I want to talk about Magic Eraser okay, for yeah, a second. Sure. It's so fun. So yeah. this this could be a gimmick, and I'm overreacting, but I loved it. I mean, yeah. Instagram Reels loved it, so the world must like it, too. Um, <laughs> I guess so I you, lost that bet. <laughs> yeah, Instagram, it was, it was doing really great on Instagram. Yeah. Literally, you just open up a photo, go to Tools, go to Magic Eraser, and it determines with AI if there's anything in the background you probably don't want. It's pretty good at that by itself. It'll just highlight little people behind yeah. you. If you're standing alone in the front of the frame and there's somebody behind you over your shoulder, it'll just highlight it right away. More object, go, object detection for machine learning. Exactly. Yep. It, it knows these objects and it goes, you want to remove this? And it gives you a button. And you hit erase and it just disappears and mm-hmm. it fills in the background. So if you're aware of content-aware fill in Photoshop or even After Effects, it works really well with certain types of backgrounds. Mm-hmm. And so all the examples we see that work really well are typically patterned backgrounds, simple backgrounds, high contrast, object versus background. And when you do that on this phone, it really does look like magic. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, you can show like your parents this. And I love be the like, fade in, fade out effect that it has. Yeah, too. it just like <laughs> highlights it and just glows and disappears. And yeah. you're like, that's crazy. Yeah. That looks like the future. Show that to your parents. They'll think it's the coolest thing ever. I guarantee yeah. it. And it's faster than Photoshop Contadora Fill too, it's, it's, by a lot. That's that's the tensor <laughs> that's advantage tensor, right baby. there. That's tensor. So yeah. good for them. Yeah. Um, if you try like a crazy huge object with a crazy complex background, it's going to look insane. Don't, yeah, it doesn't don't. always work as well. Yeah. Uh, I think you guys did one of, it picked me out of the back of a photo of yeah. you guys in my desk and it did it like, not do a great job. It like ripped your that. upper body out, but your legs were still there, and then it made the ju- it just blurry. It was just right? this it's, like stretch across. It's yeah. just like content to wear fill, where mm-hmm. the area you take out, if it doesn't hit, it's just kind of a smudge. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't know yeah. what was supposed to be behind. It's you. bringing yeah. some like a professional grade tool to common people and letting the basics of it work really well, letting them see it for the first time. Where yeah. I'm sure most yeah. professional people would rather just clone stamp or something manually this rather is, than if if the iPhone had this, people would be losing their minds. I yeah, think this yeah. is a really cool People, gimmick. Like it, when you go to like a famous photo spot or something, or you go to like a very popular tourist mm-hmm. destination, oh, the yeah. Instagram ability of this for people that you know they're like I, I ran across the Golden Gate, not Golden Gate Bridge, the the Brooklyn Bridge the other day, mm-hmm. and there's people running through and the amount of people that are trying to get that photo where it looks like they're the only one on the bridge, but then there's everyone running through. This is the perfect scenario. That's what everyone's thinking when they see this commercial. Yeah. I can finally get that photo now that I have this phone. Mm -hmm. So I thought it was really cool. That's that speed of it in the video I showed that that's the tensor advantage. Yeah. I want to talk about a, a thing I was surprised by, which is the battery life not being that great. Yeah. So I haven't published the video yet, so we'll see. And I'm going to watch other people's reviews once I publish this. But I'm very curious what your experience and thoughts were with the battery. Because I thought it would be amazing. Yeah. I thought it could have been amazing. Yeah. I got like a little over three to three and a half hours of screen on time. You got a little better, right? Yeah. On the Pro, I was seeing like around four. Probably because the LTPO display. 
that. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, LTPO, a little bit bigger battery. Obviously, it's a bigger, brighter screen, but I'm I'm I never got over four and a half. Yeah. So it's not great, especially when you compare it to what Apple did this year with the iPhone 13 series, and just yeah. like an, an hour and a half more, two and a half hours more, and now the Max in particular gets like ten hours of screen on time. And like. that was that was my comparison. So yeah. like I when you hold up an iPhone 13 Pro Max, it's a big phone, sure, yeah. but it's very flat, very tightly put together. That phone has a 4,300 milliamp hour battery. Not that huge. Yeah. And it's an it's a two-day phone. It's got yeah, like a crazy up. long eight plus hour screen on time battery life. Yeah. So now Google comes out with a phone. Tensor. Yeah. Five thousand milliamp hour battery. I'm thinking, wow, okay, yeah, yeah. this is going to be good. <laughs> yeah. um, and I'm getting half of the battery yeah. at best that the iPhone did. So that yeah. was my that was my interest. Um, my initial like curiosity was like, oh, mm. I guess it Tensor didn't really take too many cycles off of the high-powered cores, Yeah, maybe? it's not the same thing as like Apple having efficiency cores and high-power cores, really. Like the, the Tensor cores, uh, the TPU are sort of separate from the low energy cores, right? And your phone's sort of doing machine learning all the time, especially Pixel phones, because it's always listening for the keyword, and it's always doing these little, like, smart assistant things. There's a context hub on the chip itself, right? Mm -hmm. And that's supposed to be a low-ish power hub. I just think that, overall, this is, like, the first chip design that is built around the TPU. It's Google's first attempt at sort of designing their own chip. Um, manufactured by, by Samsung, but that doesn't matter. I think that's a confusion a lot of people had. They're like, Samsung's making the chip for Google. It's like, yeah, they're building it like TSMC. Yeah, Google's not a foundry. Go yeah, Google's not a foundry, but yeah. they designed it. Yeah. I think this year is was just like, okay, can we make our own chip? I, I listened to this interview with Rick Osterloh, and I think he said they started the process of like conceptualizing it like five years ago, but they only started like actually making it like a couple years ago, mm -hmm. like building the design. Yep. And uh, I think this year is just making sure that they, like, can we actually do this? And what is possible if we really push, like, these TPU cores to a limit right now? I think next year, second generation a of most products mm -hmm. is where you really iron that stuff out. Yeah, And I think next year they'll figure out how to make Tensor work just as well while using a lot less power. I had a friend at Nationals ask me, hey, Marquez, should I get the Pixel 7? And at first I was like, <laughs> what kind of dumb question is that? But then you're like, wait. And they were like, well, I've got a Pixel 4, and like, I don't really think I'm going to get the Pixel 6, so I'm going to be good for one more year, so how's the Pixel 7 going to be? And then I actually <laughs> like thought about it. like asking how the iPhone 14 I know, is like, I, I, I initially was just like, I don't know anything about that phone. But I thought about it, and I was like, you know what? They, the second yeah, generation of Tensor, yeah. it'll be their second shot at this new camera system. And they'll probably refine a lot of things about the design, and it'll kind of feel like a second generation of yeah. this new Pixel. Right. And I thought about it. I was like, actually, yeah, that's probably a good place to jump in, mm -hmm. like Pixel 7. Mm -hmm. And that's not saying Pixel 6s or 6 Pro are bad phones by any means. I still think the 6 is a great deal, and you should jump on it if your phone's getting kind of yeah. old. But, yeah, I agree. When we'll, we'll see the second generation of Tensor, I'm, I'm going to be that much more interested in battery. This is also apparently the first Pixel pro pixel phone or like higher end pixel phone that is built by that HTC team that they acquired. Yeah. Like apparently they did they did like the 4A or something. Right. But this is the first like pro one. And I the build quality yeah is not quite iPhone level um or even like high end OnePlus phone level in my opinion. 
like there's a lot of weird quirks about the build quality that make it feel like slightly cheaper than other Android phones. Just a little. But especially Pixel 6 is such a good value that like that's something you can write off. Right, that's the difference though. So yeah. with Pixel 6 with that price, I'm totally fine with it. Yeah. With this phone, they keep saying flagship, flagship, yeah, flagship. Yeah, yeah. And so my natural instinct when they say that word is to compare it to the other flagships, mm-hmm. which are a bit more expensive. Yeah. But S21 you do start Ultra. to see, yeah, you do start to see a difference there. And mm-hmm. S21 Ultra screen is way better than yeah. the Pixel 6 Pro right. screen. It just is. Yeah. It's a better screen. The iPhone has a flat screen. I think it's also better despite mm-hmm. being lower resolution. So it's those types of little things with the build quality, just how tightly built it is. There's a lot of seams on the back. Yeah. So I agree. Like in the flagship, you can nitpick a bit more. But um, yeah. If we can talk a little mo- bit more about Tensor really quick. Sure. Um, so as you, pro- you as you also saw, the speed of the natural language processing oh, on Tensor so good. is just so good. It's, it's incredible. Like everything that I hoped for. Can we do a demo this. right now? <laughs> yeah, just Can like, we have like Andrew talk and then I put the, this you, up? Next I'll do the, can you rap? the exit. Uh, can I rap? How I good are you at rap. rapping Eminem songs? Yeah. Uh. <laughs> also, I'm in airplane mode, and that's going to be totally fine for this. Yeah, because it's on device. Yeah. All right. And you can just talk as fast as you want. Talk as fast as I want. I do know Guns and Ships from um, Hamilton. Is is that? <laughs> a, that's pretty quick. I don't know. Will we get demonetized? I don't think so. Can you <laughs> say on, it really need, fast? It is. It is a fast song, and oh. I'm already cringing that I've offered this out here, but. Um, <laughs> Whatever you, you want. Give me one minute to like, well, let me to get, get his, um, Yeah, hold on a lot. Okay, I, will, I trust you. I'm excited for this. I'm taking this horse by the reins, being a red coach red with blood stains, and I'm never going to stop until I make a drop and burn it up and scatter the remains. Nah, okay. <laughs> it didn't do that. That was too fast. <laughs> it was It was a little slurred. It has to be slurred to be that fast, but yeah. Um, but wanna... it still, though, is continuing to do this as I'm talking. Right, and talk what's pretty impressive is that it's keeping up with everything. It's almost at the point where I don't know what to say the next word because it's exactly where I am on the screen. And I'm kind of losing breath, but this is a perfect <laughs> podcast contest. I'm, it's like real, uh, it's I'm real out of breath. It's real time. It's crazy. It's really impressive. Although now it is getting a little confused because you're talking in the background oh. over oh, yeah. some of the things. And that's where the <laughs> yeah, one yeah, time yeah. where it seems to kind of... Uh, go off. Um, trying to remember who it was, but somebody wrote most of their Pixel 6 review with the voice. I was going to say that's voice to text. This has changed the way I think I'm going to use this phone, which yeah. is I want to use voice more often as much as possible. I'm texting with voice a lot more. Oh, yeah. They got the little little mic in the keyboard. I noticed Michael was doing that too. We were at a yeah. bar last night. He's just like texting like long paragraphs with his voice. Exactly. Like, and it punctuates yeah. you well. And if you're in the middle of something and catch a, a something being wrong, while the mic's still going, you can go cursor around different parts of yeah. it and replace words. It has content awareness, so if you correct a name spelling one time, it'll remember that later. If you are texting somebody about somebody, it will remember the name and the spelling of the person in your contacts that you're talking to them about. Mm. It's it's really, really Does yeah. it say MKBHD or does it say I'm Kim PhD? That's a or... fantastic <laughs> question. I've never tried it, and I might as well just try it right now. Okay. Ready? Yeah. Let's do this live. I'm going to screen record. What is up, guys? This is this is the, the, yeah, dr- the, the real truth. Yeah, yeah. All right, here we go. Hey, what is up, guys? MKBHD here. Welcome back to another video. And it did actually get it right. Wow. Incredibly. Impressive. Now they just need to like run the YouTube yeah, thing on their TPUs. Yeah. <laughs> and then we'll be good. That is not what I expected. Usually it gives you some sort of a weird Kim PhD was one. I forget what some of the other ones were because I banned them from our subreddit because they got so <laughs> annoying. But 
Um, That's good. Yeah. So the other thing with the natural language processing is like you can live translate with live caption. So live caption is something that they introduced last year, I believe, where you basically on device without internet, you can caption any content that is on your phone. So if you take a video of your kid's recital or something, you're watching it back it will just put the captions live as you're watching the video, which yeah. is incredible. And now, if uh, if you're watching any video in a different language, it will show you captions in your language. Live translated without captions. Without internet. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Like, this is the type of stuff that doesn't appear on any benchmark. Like, yeah. no matter how good your chip is, this is the type of stuff you can't really measure until you just use it, and you're like, yeah. oh, this is incredible. Yeah. So... That's why I said in the video the delta between the benchmarks yeah. and the usage is, is massive here. My theory is we've really sort of hit this limit with CPU and GPU performance, more CPU, I guess, but where you can't really tell the difference between this year's flagship smartphone and last year's flagship smartphone. So what should we be trying to make better year over year? It's the ML stuff. It's the stuff that is actually going to be helpful to us on a day-to-day -day basis, like all of this stuff that feels like magic. Like our tech yeah. is starting to feel like magic. Let's just accelerate the magic, right? Yeah, Makes fully in, fully in on that. Yeah. All right, we spent a lot on Pixel. I want to yeah. take a quick break. We'll come back and talk about whether each or any of us will like full-time upgrade to it. I know Andrew's been a Pixel user for a bit. We'll get to that. And we've got some other interesting Tesla stories as is tradition on the Waveform Podcast. So we'll be right back. Support for this episode of Waveform comes from Gigabyte. There's a lot of talk out there about how AI is revolutionizing our world. Computers are writing newsletters, robotic bees are pollinating flowers, and a whole new wave of driverless taxis are popping up in cities all over the world. But how can AI power our passions and what we do for fun? That's where Gigabyte's AI gaming laptops come in. So their range of powerful and portable new laptops deliver cutting edge performance for anyone looking to explore the brave new world of AI powered gaming. So every 2024 Aorus machine comes equipped with the Gigabyte AI Nexus, which is like a central hub located with all the AI powered features you could hope for. So that includes super useful tools like AI Power Gear, which automatically throttles and extends your computer's battery life depending on your power source and usage. You also get access to AI Boost, which optimizes performance based on what you're doing in that moment, whether you're ripping through an FPS or running your own large language model. AI Boost automatically adjusts the GPU and processors to maximize responsiveness and deliver unparalleled efficiency. Lastly, AI Generator includes various generative AI apps for quick startup, and all 2024 Gigabyte models seamlessly integrate with tools like OpenAI and Microsoft's Copilot AI chatbot. But the Aorus 16X and the Gigabyte G6X take it to the next level with a dedicated Copilot key, allowing users to swiftly tap into productivity and generative AI capabilities. I also keep hearing AI is going to change a lot in the gaming world. Andrew, can you think of anything about that? Not just optimization, like you said, but like more personal optimization I could see happening where like maybe you're playing a competitive game like Valorant and you want higher FPS and lower resolution. Like you, you're okay versus like The Witcher where you might want 4K crispy resolution and like a lower frame rate. I think finding that between your computer specs and what you want might help out a lot. Nice. So all of the models that I've been talking about are available right now at oris.com slash laptops slash gigabyte dash AI. So that's A-O-R-U-S dot com slash laptops slash gigabyte dash AI. Gigabyte. 
Team up, fight on. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, so we got to talk about whether we're going to upgrade to these phones then. Somebody asked me, did you ask me earlier? Oh, no. Yeah, you said, are you going to main this phone? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to main this phone. Yeah. I mean, this, this is, it, to me, it comes down to Android 12. I really like a lot of the features. And to yeah. me, it was between this and the S21 Ultra, which mm. I've mained more than any other phone this year. Yeah. Fun fact for the podcast. Yeah. Uh, I really like the OnePlus 9 Pro. The screen is so much better on the Samsung mm-hmm. that I went to it. It's still better than the, the Pixel, but I like Android 12 mm-hmm. that much. Yeah. Google Assistant, call screening, live transcription, all these little things. Yeah. The camera's good enough. I'm, I'm probably just, Sticking with Pixel Pro. Yeah, I, I tweeted a couple days ago, and this is a very classic tweet. But like, this is the hardest year for me on whether or not to be on the latest Pixel or on an iPhone. And previously, I didn't really care that much. But then I started this job, and then we started using a lot of Apple products, and then I got locked into the ecosystem. Ooh. And now it's like I feel the chains. Yeah. Um. But Android 12 for me is a huge reason. Like Tensor is amazing. All the nat- all the smart natural language processing stuff is great. But Android 12 just feels so like fun and friendly, and it feels like such a huge refresh when it yeah. comes to like specifically Material U, when it comes to like the experience of your Pixel. Because you say like change your wallpaper, change your life. Really? Now change your wallpaper, change your life, and change your system theme, change your accent colors. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Not the yeah. accent button though, which is still really yeah. Sad. I'm sad about that. Yeah. Imagine change your so wallpaper, sad. change your accent button. That would be crazy. That would be crazy. Put All a little right. LED in there. Andrew, patent pending that. Yeah, yeah well, big you're, question. You're the one that owns a Pixel Four right now. Yeah, you can upgrade. Okay, so like this, hearing everything, I haven't tried it yet, but like everything you guys say is so exciting. And the battery life just makes me so sad. But here's a question. How good is mm. the battery life on your Pixel 4? Because that that phone did not have great battery life. I mean, with. yeah, but I hope that two years later is better than the phone I'm using that's two years old. Um, the thing is, is like, ultimately, I think I still probably will because I just know my day-to-day usage revolves around having chargers in pretty opportune yeah. spots. Like, wireless I have chargers. a long commute. I have a wireless charger on my desk. I have a wireless charger on my desk at home. I have one by my bed. So, like... I highly doubt it all will happen. And if I'm going on a long hike, going on a long trip, I have a battery bank I can keep with me. It's not that yeah. big of a deal. Mm-hmm. It just feels like it hurts really bad. Like it feels like it's, they added all these amazing things that like you said are magical. Like this phone feels magical in mm-hmm. so many senses. And then the battery just seems like such an obvious thing that should be better. And when you see those numbers, feels like it should be better. And yeah. I it think makes it's just me kind of sad. I think Tensor is just power hungry. If this yeah. phone get the Pixel all, Seven, that's what, <laughs> yeah. that's what I'm saying. Wait for it. Yeah. yeah, I'm just gonna daily it. If tomorrow. this phone had the iPhone's battery life, Oof. I would, Oof. I would yeah, no hezzy recommend this phone so fast. <laughs> so many people, but Absolutely. Th- it's battery is important. That's, so. and yeah, I think that's is. the issue is like when you compare it to an iPhone. Like, I I know people who were Pixel users and didn't really like some of the newer ones, so they went to iPhone, and this was one where they're thinking of coming back. And I was just like, I don't. I don't know if it's the one to come back on. It's funny. The script is flipped. 
the iPhone always used to be like, I love iOS, but the battery sucks. And now it's literally the opposite. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Crazy. I think I have some nerdy friends too who like, uh, you know, on that branch of nerdy, not quite us nerdy, but like, um, like liked Android stuff. And then, mm. but once you go to iPhone, it's, it's hard to get it's really out. hard to come it's back. so hard yeah, to get I'm out. I'm saying that as someone who's never done it and I understand how it is. difficult it is. I regret it, would be. it. It's factual. Um, <laughs> I regret it. I think I will probably get a regular six though. Yeah. Um, I think this is an insane eventually. deal. I might wait till it even goes on sale. It probably will because it's Google. That's Which is what's also really fun about it. Black and Friday, like, baby. <laughs> it's the, coming up. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see. I might, we'll see. Shipping dates are pretty, when are you getting yours, Adam? You ordered one already. Yeah, I ordered mine, and it's supposed to be coming here this Friday, I believe. Oh, I thought it was Ooh. like not till late November. That's pretty quick. No, yeah, it's October 29th or 30th is the estimated delivery date. It's mm. pretty good. Okay. What yeah. color did you get? Stormy black. Six pro or six? Six. Yeah, stormy black. I think I might get green. I want to see it in person. Mm. I haven't seen the green ones. Yet. I might do I, it. Anyways. Michael has it. We were comparing colors at home yesterday. It's two different greens, right? Top yeah, bottom. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's more darker green on the top and more of like a uh, acid green. On it's the top. I like a matte black. Six. But it's nothing like that iPhone green, right? Like it's the it's iPhone green looks like an army green. Yeah, they're all like olive army, yeah. like which I really do like. I love that color. Yeah, yeah. Those, yeah. That's like a classy color, but Google is going Google and doing the. Google the thing, thing. Is, I'll put a case on it either way, so I guess I mean, it doesn't yeah, really sure. matter. Okay, well, it doesn't uh, matter then. <laughs> and if you want MagSafe, <laughs> fair. Yeah, I have a great segue. Um, cause we were just talking about, it's actually too good of a segue to really go smoothly. I was gonna say gonna, every great segue <laughs> starts with saying that it's a great yeah, segue. It's too good of a segue, but I'll explain it so that it's way worse. Okay. So we were just talking about Android versus iPhone and how hard it is to, to get into one or the other and get across that bridge. Um, I've had a couple Bluetooth issues with the Tesla app on Android. Haven't had that issue, I think at all since I got the iPhone 13 where the phone is your key and it's oh, Bluetooth yeah. and it's just proximity to your car. Uh, so we can talk about Tesla now. What a great segue, wow. eh? Hey. Beautiful. Nailed that. There's all right, so Canada, eh? <laughs> Tesla hit a, a trillion-dollar market cap. That's all I wanted to say. Good God. That's cool. Yeah. Good God. Kind of Actually, crazy. the reason they hit a trillion-dollar market cap is because of the news that, what was Hertz. it? Hertz mm -hmm. bought a 100,000 Tesla. 100,000. Yeah. Wish I had that so, in my bank account. I... I've, I mean, it makes... 100,000 Teslas or $100,000? The money to buy 100,000 Teslas. Lamborghini yeah. account. <laughs> it's a lot. No, yeah. that's a, it's a big investment for, for Hertz because they clearly want to offer electric cars. And so now they've bought 100,000 of them and that's the electric car that they've chosen to invest in to offer to people. Mm -hmm. So it says a lot about Hertz. It says a lot about Tesla. It says a lot about electric cars. Yeah. Um, Tesla's market cap skyrockets. Great. I just think like, Everywhere I go, I I kind of want when I whenever I rent a car, I try not to. When I, whenever I do rent a car, I want to get something like similar to what I'm used to. Mm -hmm. um, the fact that people are interested in me out there renting Model Threes just casually is pretty cool. Pretty dope. I, yeah. I would They're be careful too. on saying casual though, because it's not their base. It's like their premium luxury rental, so it's not just like your everyday rental that most people most people renting cars. I would say usually go the cheapest possible route Honestly. for being able to get around. So it's like right. compact budget cars. Right. This won't be those. Definitely. Understandably. Mm -hmm. um, but the fact that they've gotten there will this be many more of them, out there. I think the chance that 
people will be able to drive them more, like be able to test and actually drive one yeah, for a few days, which cool. is like way I, more I than just Turo. a test drive. I'd use Turo to drive yeah. a Model 3 like four years ago, four yes. five years ago. That's actually a really interesting point. People I just had to work just, for a tech channel and I got to yeah. <laughs> People will be uh, trying to rent these just to test drive them. I yeah. think that will actually be the case. Um, I huh. think people will rent them to try them, see how they what they like about it. I um, mean, that's the kiss of death. I test drove a, a Tesla for eight minutes and was hooked. <laughs> so if you rent it for a couple of days, you're gonna really want that car, mm -hmm. when I, I think. When I test drove my first uh, Tesla, I had not driven in five years and I had to drive around New York City and I Whoa. thought I was going to die. That is stressful. Yeah. Actually, the first time I ever drove a Tesla was a Model S P85 Plus <laughs> in white. I made a video about it, this is when I was in college. That, yeah. It was in New York and they drove it over to me and I got to like drive it around New York City for a couple minutes. I was very interested, really liked it. Um, I was, I think I was kind of hooked because I was driving a different car. And then as I got back, I like got out the car and we're like, all right, cool, that was fun. We shot the rest of our video. And they're like, you done with it? And they're like, yeah. And then the guy got in the car and just punched it. And I saw the car just go. <laughs> in New York? Like, oh, Jeez. that's cool. <laughs> like no other car does what that guy just did real quick into the parking garage there. And I think that was, that was when I was hooked. The so, other cool thing about this Hertz thing, though, is that means there's probably going to be more chargers, right? There are going to be more chargers. They've, um, it says Hertz plans to set up level two in DC fast charging stations in 65 cities by the end of 2022. Oh, level two. Um, and more than 100 more by the end of 2023. But so, will like, those be only Hertz? Like, that um, I don't know. I'm hoping yeah. not. Um, uh, it also kind of, I mean, any more infrastructure is good infrastructure. It, depending on how many they put, though, you only need to charge the car till full and then charge right before someone rents one. I'm sure yeah. it'll depend on how they're being used, how often they're being used, how many they have versus how many cars they have that are rented out. Cause like if a car's rented for a week, they obviously are not gonna have a charger empty for a week. <clears throat> yeah, um, this is interesting. I'm sure it'll have priority though. There's a bunch of questions that actually just came to my mind about renting an electric car is one. Um, I hope you have one. Cause one I thought was kind of interesting. Oh, well I was just gonna say when, when you, have a car sitting in a parking lot for a couple of days with no one renting it. Mm -hmm. It just sits with the gas in the gas tank. Yeah. With electric cars, there is a little bit of phantom drain over yeah. time. Yeah. Right. And I'm curious if they're just going to leave those cars plugged in that whole time, or will they have to have somebody go around constantly maintaining all the electric cars and making them sure they don't drain? In, I would think. I would assume keep it to a certain point, 85%. which is which is that point would be like. If we get this car rented for tomorrow, we can have it topped off. Or if we, even if we get this car rented in the next couple of hours, if it's available, other than that, you just check your schedule and know when a car is going to be rented and can top it off before that. Um, what I thought was kind of interesting and just different for rental is like, what is the one thing you dread when you return a rental car? The cost for gas. The gas. Exactly. Yeah. So they say right now, um, they don't have a set standard for what you'll have to do. You can return it essentially not at full. Okay. Um, so they can just charge it there. Yeah, they can just charge it there. It's like they so in the gas station. Ultimately, I hope they keep it like that. You always wonder these places are trying to make money. The yeah. whole gas <laughs> thing is so they way. can make as much money as possible. <laughs> They'll figure out a way to charge um, you. If yeah. you can't, then you kind of have to add a little time now to you returning cars. If you're trying to catch a plane, if you need to charge it, Ugh. if you need to return at 100, I'm really hoping that's not the case. Same. It seems like 
a total money grab if it was. And I, it would just. I will tell you the first time that I rented a Mono 3 on Turo, the guy that I rented it from said, you have to return the car at 100% charge. And yeah, I was that's, like, one, that's not possible because when I charge it and then drive it drive back it, to yeah, you. Yeah, can I plug into like your 90. garage or yeah, something? And then, and then the other thing was that there are, were no Tesla superchargers in that vicinity. So mm -hmm. that was the first time I'd ever driven an electric car. Yeah. So I had like an hour to get it to him. I pull in and it's like, this is going to take three and a half hours to charge. So I ended up returning it two hours late. He charged me like a $50 convenience mm -hmm. fee. It was just. That is a sneaky guy. Yeah. That is yeah. Guy. Well, I hope Hertz isn't yeah. run by the sneaky yeah. guy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, these companies yeah. tend to do this to make money, but I'm, I'm seeing level two. So level yeah. two is like what you might have with like a dryer plug or something like that. You can charge like 25, 30 miles an hour. That's just how I measure like how many miles you add to the battery. Or like level one, plugging into like a trickle charger, three miles an hour tops. Yeah. So level two is somewhere in the middle. Level three would be like your superchargers on the side of the road. Those are great. So when I see they're setting up a bunch of level two fast chargers, I think that means they will be for all of their electric cars. Yeah. To at least be able to use, but mm -hmm. mostly a, a bunch of new Teslas. So that would also give me the impression that they are wanting to leave them plugged in because if your voltage is, uh, I think yeah. your voltage, like your pipe is wider, but you're not pushing as, an, as much electricity through it, that's better for your battery. Got it. Yeah. But that's the type of charger we have at the studio. Just yeah. level two fast charging. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one other thing is as of right now, up until February, I guess this is rolling out like as we speak, um, up until February, you'll get free supercharging through the Hertz rental but they're not sure how they're doing it after that quite yet. So that one that's interesting. That is an awesome uh, like reason to get a premium, you know, rental. Yeah. You're spending a little more, but if you can get but free yeah, supercharging, that's awesome. That's no guess. Um after that, then I wonder how does it work because like when you're as uh, someone who doesn't own a Tesla, when you're using superchargers, do both do both of you have free supercharging right now or do you pay I don't have I have it. supercharging credit. Okay, so when, so when you do it, is <laughs> yeah. it just be, it knows your car when you go up or, yep. yeah. so I guess, I guess the easiest way would do is Hertz would just send you the bill afterwards on charging because it's hooked to their. Oh no, the car knows it has credit. The car itself knows it has credit. Yeah, but I'm saying when you are going to go rent one of these cars now and you have to pay for charging past if they don't, oh. uh, there's no way they continue to keep free supercharging. Oh, for no, that's fine. So the car will know it has Tesla supercharging credit, but yeah. if you plug into a non-Tesla supercharger, you will have to pay when you're there. How is the rental person going to pay a Tesla supercharger when it's not their car is what I'm saying. Uh, so I'm thinking the easiest way would just be it is hooked up to Hertz they know how much they're getting charged for that car build. It's probably afterwards. hooked up to Hertz. And I think that just, would, yeah. Did you say through February of Yeah, it's not right. 2023 or? 20 22, it says. So we're what? talking like four they months. They haven't even got the cars yet. Yeah, that's about to expire. <laughs> I mean, that's what the the response that I believe I was looking at like an Axios or Axios or car and driver, that was the response they got from Hertz. Wow. Is that yeah. up until February 2022, when we launched the cars. Nice headline yeah. on Hertz. You'll have one done. day of doing it. So. I don't even know if Elon can make 100,000 more Model 3s before yeah. then. <laughs> the trunks yeah. will be falling off. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this isn't the Maki. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's that's pretty much all we had. I mean, we also had like a Tesla rolling out and rolling back 10.3. Yeah, that, I don't have a whole. I haven't. I still don't have the beta. Um, you're not. It's getting gonna be it a while. anytime soon. It's gonna be a <laughs> it while. Sounds like. Um, 
that's pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of all I had to say. Yeah, um, yeah. this continues the trend of uh, having at least one Tesla reference, probably on every Waveform episode, but lots of tech happening. It's still Techtober, like the reviews of all these things yeah. coming out, yeah. Pixel's out, but definitely stay tuned for the MacBook Pro review. Stay tuned for the AirPods 3 review. Stay tuned for maybe another phone coming up, maybe another random thing that's not phones or headphones. There's other stuff in the pipeline too, so. This is also the last uh, episode before Halloween. So have a spooky Halloween, my friends. Make sure oh, you have yeah, a good tech-related tech related jack-o'-lanterns. Send me pictures. Oh yeah, totally. Tech-related costumes. Uh, we, if yeah. you uh, dress up as the Waveform Podcast, we will retweet you. <laughs> Don't know how to do it. That's up to you. And you've got about two days by the time this episode comes out. So we will definitely retweet you if you do that. Good luck. Good luck. Good luck. luck. Amazing. Thanks for watching. Catch you guys in the next one. Peace. You want to, Mac, do you want to read us out? No? Okay. You can help them. A thousand yards. (laughs) Waveform is produced by Adam Molino. We are partnered with Vox Media and our intro outro music was created by Vane Sill. to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.